Hi everyone, this is Katherine Daniels with Retreat to Peace. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I had an extraordinary conversation with a very dear friend and as we were talking about the energies and what was happening in the last couple of days, especially in the United States, we were discussing the drain, the drain of energy that not only we were feeling, but other people that were experiencing this drain were also feeling. And one of the things that we definitely had discussions around was just taking back our sense of control. We know that there's a lot of excitement around a new year, 2021. Things are supposed to be uplifting and changing and purposeful as far as navigating into a new space. And as we go into this new space, we also have to be mindful that we are in a space of transition. We are in a time where things are changing and the only thing that is ever constant is change. So as we go day to day in through our changes, it's important that we remain mindful that this is a process and things don't just quickly and swiftly move into the space that we would like them to be. As I reflect on 2020, the blessings that came from 2020 were so abundant. It's just amazing to me how when we release and let go, how much fuller and brighter comes into our space. A lot of release happened in 2020. And as we move into 2021, what we need to do is remain mindful and present of living in our th authentic spaces, but also in our truth. We need to remain vigilant that we stand in our truth and our authenticity. If we're living in a state of fear, we're going to be brought down to a lower vibration. We're going to be brought down into a darkness that we don't want to live in. If you're living in a state of fear, recognize your fear, but then make a conscientious decision not to remain in that fear-based state. That is a lower vibration and is not going to serve you. Look for ways to help yourself get out of that fear-based state. Call a friend, connect, get connected with other people to help rise above that. Look at the things that you can do that you can control. Don't focus on the things that you cannot control. There are a lot of things that we do not have control over, so we need to be mindful of the things that we actually can control. The other day, I woke up and after just prayerfully doing my gratitude that I do every morning, I was feeling so stressed. And I just literally got myself dressed, went for a walk. And as I was walking, I had a friend reach out and say, don't forget to hug a tree. When I saw her text, I actually laughed because I was like, wow, this is something that I say to other people, but I forget myself. So I found a tree. I found the perfect tree and I laid my body next to the tree. I closed my eyes, I breathed into the space in that moment. It was incredible 
to feel my body physically changing and releasing all of the toxins and stress that I was feeling. If you've never laid your body next to a tree, I encourage you, go put your back next to a tree. Go put your arms around a tree. You will be amazed how healing hugging a tree actually can be for your, for your spirit, your physical being, your soul. There's so many healing properties that Mother Earth provides us. I walked on after hugging that tree and just feeling that there was so much healing property to it that I need to find another. And I did. I found another. I laid my back against the tree, my whole body, and I just just closed my eyes and absorbed the sun shining on me and just felt everything that was happening. If you've never done this, like I said, take a moment and make it happen for yourself. Experience it for yourself. It's wonderful. I invite you to look at ways that you can take your sense of control in the littlest things like hugging a tree, like getting a walk, getting sunshine, detoxing your body. Make sure you're drinking a lot of water. Make sure you're eating healthy foods. Make sure that when you're feeling a sense of fear that you pull out your flashlight. Look for the light. Look for other people that you can that you can talk to but also help yourself. Because when you're helping other people, you're helping yourself. Look for ways to get grounded. Right now, we're in a period of transition. We're going to experience a rebirth of sorts. What was a year ago is not ever going to be again. So we do need to go through this process of rebirthing, this process of rejuvenating and moving through a space that, yes, at times is very uncomfortable. But are we going to stay there? No, we're going to keep walking through it. And when you're walking your path and you're feeling like you're stumbling, find the tree, lean up against your support, lean up against the healing powers of Mother Earth, allow her to ground you, do what you need to do to keep your sacred space authentic and true. I invite you to be part of a very special workshop January 15th with Retreat to Peace. I will be sending emails out to everyone who's reached out to me this far and inviting them into this healing platform on January 15th. If you would like to be part of this, please email me at retreattopeacellc at gmail.com. Again, that's retreattopeacellc at gmail.com. Dot com, and I look forward to seeing you there. For my next guest, this is an amazing, amazing young man who's been through so much in his life, and his words of wisdom are divinely brought to him from God. You're not going to want to miss this very special interview. I look forward to seeing you all next week, and here's my interview with Kawan Glover.
pay you wherever you are in the world right now. Thank you so much for being here with me. We know that we're living in some crazy times and we know that the world is changing. So let's create a bridge as we travel through one another's countries, removing all the labels, coming together as one people, finding our home in one world. And as we do this, this is why our signature talk today is so important. And today I am so privileged to welcome my guest, Kawan Glover. Hi, Kawan. Hey, Catherine. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you're here with us today. You have an amazing and powerful story. Um, one that I think most people in the audience are going to step back and really say, wow, you know, because you just have so much to offer the world, especially in the place that we're in right now. But I do want to do your bio. I know that you're a survivor that has lived through a stroke. You've had three brain surgeries. You've done, you've dealt with uh, suicidal ideations. You actually had one attempt. You've gone through opioid addiction, depression, and you have a $1.2 million medical debt from all of this. And despite all of your hardships, you've started this company called Overcome Adversity, which leverages to help other people, as it says, overcome their adversity, no matter what it is that they're going through. And you're also a writer, a public speaker, and you're a self-published author with a memoir entitled Favor, How Stroke, Struggle, and Surgery Helped Me to Find My Life Purpose. I mean, this, this is just like amazing in so many, you know, facets of how amazing can be, how you totally took all of these things in your life and just turned it inside out and made it beautiful. And I just wanted to you know, go back a little bit because it's really interesting in the way of the world right now, we're, we're dealing with a lot of darkness. There's a lot of heavy energy. There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, everybody dubs it this crazy time, which, yeah, it feels crazy because it's not something we're used to. We're uncomfortable in it, which is why we're calling it this crazy time because we're uncomfortable. So, my goodness, can you, I mean, you probably could talk all day long around being uncomfortable and living in uncomfortable times. So I'm going to throw the floor over to you and just allow you to speak a little bit to that. Yeah, you know, at that age when all that began to happen, you know, as a young man, you're in the prime of your life. I was at, I was 20 years old. So I had, you know, I had a pretty easy life. I, I would say, you know, at that point in my life, I had graduated 4.0 from high school. I had the girl. I got into the college I wanted to get into. I played three different sports, and I was riding high. But I knew in the back of my mind there was – I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't know really who I was or, you know, what my purpose was. And then, um, you know, God has a way of – coming into your life and kind of uh, shaking things up, if you will. So I had, um, I had went to the hospital. My mentors in me to the hospital. They did a CAT scan and said, hey, you have something in your brain that's not supposed to be there. They just sent me to another hospital, and they said it was something called a cavernous malformation. Uh, come to find out last year, the thing that they found in my brain had probably been there since birth, and I just created the right conditions 
to allow it to burst. Um, so they did an operation to fix it October, August 15th, 2014. Um, because I was 20, a young man, I went back to school a week after surgery, and within a month, I had my, my stroke. Um, and that put me in rehabilitation for a month. And um, went back to school the following. So this is the surgery and stroke happened in 2014. I'm out of school, spring 15, and that, that summer, of 2015, fell into a major, major depression where I didn't move, I was isolating myself, and I just didn't understand why I had to live this way or what it was gonna do for me. And that's the problem people often find themselves in. When things happen, what about me? Why, why does it affect me so greatly? And it's often, there's a chapter, actually my next book called is Bigger Than You, is one of the final chapters. And that's what I, it took me so long, it took me six years even after it was all over, to realize that th all the things that happened, you know, I would go on to have the opioid addiction, Percocet, fentanyl, you name it. I would go on to have another brain surgery, another brain surgery, and I would go on to have bouts of depression and self-isolation. And then after all the surgeries, the $1.2 million medical debt, but all those things are behind me. But the emotional trauma... I have to make a conscious choice to address that every day. Understand that it is a part of me, but it not, it's not who I am. It doesn't represent the person I'm going to become. And when you look at this situation we're in, in the world now, like we were talking about before we start, you turned on the cameras, I'm now better equipped to handle certain things, but I never... Until I talk to you today, I didn't realize, you know, not everybody has experienced this level of trauma or doesn't really face adversity the same way. So I, I really, I feel for those people who don't have a basis of gratitude, a sword to lean on, a people, a community to embrace them in this time of need. And I, you know, I said this before, I'll say it again, I commend you. Catherine, on your efforts to really bring together people that do have stories that can provide strength and inspiration to the masses and help them understand that, you know, there is light in the time. There's always hope. There's always a silver line. We just have to search or be who we're meant to be, and it'll show up in our lives. And I think, you know, this creating this platform, allowing others like myself and you to share your stories with your audience. Um, it'll it'll start to crack that door open just a little bit more and they can start to see the light shine through thank you i i'm very humbled by that and i appreciate that and thank you i mean that means a lot i you know your story with all of what you've been through i mean i just can't even imagine what it would be like to go through a stroke or have the surgeries that you've gone through um, I know, you know, for a lot of people, they, when they go through adversity, they, they do ask that question, why is this happening to me? And I know for myself, given my own journey, you know, I've been through a lot of traumas, people know. And for me, I've always turned it inside out as well, where I always felt like, okay, I'm going through this experience for a reason. And 
I'm going to take it when I'm on the other side of it and I'm going to gift it back to the world so that, you know, it's turned into good, right? But unfortunately, we're in, when we're in the midst of it, we're in, when we're in the moment, that discomfort and, you know, everything just feels like it's so big, it's so much bigger than us, and we just don't even know how to go within ourselves to undo these heavy feelings that we have. And one of these heavy feelings that we have is depression, right? And depression can lead to other things. And, you know, you had, you had touched a little bit on the depression. And I know right now around the world, there's a lot of people that are struggling with depression. So what, what was it that helped you? I mean, like, tell us a little bit about that time of life for you and what that looked like. And how did you get out of it? I mean, when you look at depression um, from over overview not let it's hard to see the picture when you're living in the frame and i think a lot of people are living in their depression and not understanding you have to address it objectively so when you look at depression objectively it's because you're thinking about the past and the way things used to be and the way you wanted them to be and they they were before all this happened and you're constantly finding yourself faced with your your expectations based on your past are meeting with the now, your reality, and that clashing, and that can, you know, when you crash a warm front and a hot front together, that creates a tornado, and that can create a warped perception in your mind of yourself and your environment, so depression is not just sadness, it's an overall feeling that extends from within and can permeate your body, and sometimes it's like misery loves company. That darkness can feel warm to embrace. It invites you in and you can build a house there. I like to call that house victimhood. Uh, that's where all the victims live and build houses. But when you look at depression, it is because you're letting your thoughts, feelings, and emotions drift into the past. But your mind has no concept of time. So those feelings of longing, of sadness that you're feeling about things that have already going on you're feeling that right now and instead of embracing what's what what you desire what you can touch feel smell taste and hear is right in front of you but you're missing that because you're always focused on what was instead of what is so rooting yourself in the present moment and and giving yourself the space the time and energy to feel those emotions process them and then understand okay what is this showing me? Because it's another thing for my next book. Your pupils dilate in the darkness. And that's because you're searching for the sources of light. So in that time of darkness, in that time of despair, in the time of uncertainty, there are lessons that you, your spirit is looking for, that God is sending you, that you may not even know that are there. You just have to find a way to grab onto them. And then once you do that, the light will shine through and it'll be so bright it's almost blinding because your eyes have been so dilated and open to that darkness. But depression is not inevitable. It does not have to be. But it is a choice you have to make to live in the now instead of letting your mind, your thoughts, your actions dictate or drift towards the things that happened before. Even, even this moment is in the past. There is no such thing as now, because now is already in the past. You think about what's immediately right in front of you. So 
keep your mind, your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, your actions right in front of you. And then things will start to get a lot more clear. And, you know, the, the whole tool that you just threw in there about keeping present with understanding the five senses, you know, what it is that is here and now, what, it, what can you, can you name five things that you can see? Can you name five things you can hear? Can you name five things you can smell, touch, taste? I mean, that's so powerful because I know for a lot of people, you know, there's people right now that are feeling a lot of anxiety and they're wondering, how do I get out of this state of feeling anxious? And some people don't even know that, that that's what they're experiencing. They just feel their body is on this overload of not kind of like you said, the hot and the cold front and this tornado effect, right? So I, I would just remind everyone, you know, if you... If you need a quick tool to help you, that's a great tool. But if you need a deeper level of support, please reach out to your community, reach out to, you know, medical teams and resources that can help you, especially if you're suicidal. And I know part of your story, as we said in your intro, you know, you, you were in a place where you had these suicidal ideations and, if you're comfortable enough to share with us a little bit about that and how you, you know, pulled through that or what allowed you to pull through that. Yeah. I think as a man, especially being a black man, it's oftentimes frowned upon in our community to talk about your emotions or talk about your feelings. So uh, there's a lot of repression and that repression will then you know, it's not a present thought, but it seeps into your subconscious. And your subconscious controls a lot of the actions that you're not even aware of. And when you have a can of soda or a bottle of soda, if you shake it up enough, the pressure has to go somewhere. So when, when I had my first attempt, it was just a leak of that pressure that was building that I wasn't allowing to air out to, you know, de, uh, what is it, carbonate, decarbonate and, uh, you have to give yourself room, space, and a community to express yourself in. You know, you, you've got to get in places where you can let that stuff out. I think, um, you know, depression also leads to suicidal ideation. For me, it was, I came into um, understanding of a term called passively suicidal. And, and in that space, you're, you're not actively always trying to do harm to yourself or take your own life. But at the same time, you constantly think about, you know, if I died today, it'd be all right. If I died today, you know, I don't think anybody would care. Like, it wouldn't be a big deal. And that that constant, it's like a slow trickle down into the deep, dark depths because the, you're diminishing yourself little by little by little by little. And again, with anxiety, that's the cousin of depression. That's when your thoughts are future-based or fear-based of something that may never actually happen. And you think about what if this and what if that? What if you took your next breath? What if you were able to get up in the morning? What if you were able to breathe? What if you were able to have a meal? What if you were able to give someone a hug? What if you were able to have a conversation? What if you were able to remain human? What if you were alive? I think those are better questions because when you ask your mind questions, bad questions, your mind has no choice but give you bad answers. 
So why constantly ask myself better questions? Instead of, why me? What did I just learn? Instead of, uh, why did that hurt so much? What did that pain teach me? Things like that, to sh this, I call it a perspective shift, just shifting a little to the left, a little to the right to see a different vantage point of, of what you're experiencing. I don't know if that answers your question, but you know, I wanted to touch on those couple points. Yeah, well, I, you are answering the question. And I, if we could, you know, just go back to the part of the question about how you got out of that. So you had these suicidal thoughts and what shifted for you to get you out of that, that space that you were in? I think, you know, they did an experience where they had two rats and, you know, in one case, it was a rat with nothing really in this case, which has two bottles of water. And in those bottles of water was just water on one side and heroin and cocaine in the other bottle. When the rat was alone, he chose the heroin and cocaine water. When the rat's case was filled with other rats and other little things rats like to do, like a rat a music part, like a rat Disney World, they chose the regular water. So in that, you can see that what you're doing, Catherine, is creating community, creating a space where people have a, other people to support them. So in my case, I had people that were around me that were constantly dragging me out and trying to get me to see the outside world and allowing me to isolate myself. And then in those moments where I was alone, I had to make a decision to give myself positive reinforcement, tell me that my life was worth something. I had to build self-confidence because confidence, self-confidence is your trust in yourself. I had to build trust. I had to build self-worth. I had to build self-esteem in myself and understand that I was worth more than I was giving myself credit for. So it took a lot of that mental exercise. It took a lot of that community engagement. It took a lot of that therapy. It took a lot of that self-talk. It took a lot of building my own self up from the darkest points. Something, you know, I talk about in my business is the bottom of the V. I mean, you look at the letter V, that's the first letter in victory, but it's also representations of valleys and peaks and a lot of times even times like this where it seems like you're going down that into deep into that valley but at the bottom it's not your fault or you didn't cause the things that happened to you but it is your responsibility to choose to make a decision to climb back up to see the other side of victory so a combination of my community my mental exercises therapy and just understanding that I was worth more than these thoughts were trying to tell me I was worth. And a little bit of faith, a lot of faith on the back end. Yeah, thoughts are, thoughts are really interesting because the mind is our central computer system for everything in our body. And they do control a lot of what we're what we're doing with our bodies. And I really value and appreciate the message that you're giving around making a decision. Because one of the things that I think is really impactful is when people are feeling triggered or they're feeling that electrocuting feeling within themselves. That is your body's response to allow you to ask those questions that you were talking about. That is your body response to like be aware that 
the thoughts that you're having, you can release those kind of like balloons, just, you know, put them in a bubble and let them go and recenter yourself with why you're here. And for people that struggle with what is my purpose, everyone is here for a purpose and a reason. And people that feel like they're different, you're supposed to be different. That is part of what makes this entire world beautiful is your uniqueness and what you bring to the world. So there is a reason for you to be here. And, you know, and I look at someone like you and all of the things that you've been through and how you've turned it into this beautiful space for people to be accepted no matter what shape or form they show up in, because it's okay. Like you have that same mindset without judgment. And I, and I love that. Your analogy of the V, I love that because a lot of times you hear people say that they're in the deepest, darkest valley. But to your point, you're on your way up to victory. So it's just a matter of making that decision. The thing that I want to talk to you too about is the spirituality, the sense of, you know, what the higher power shows up in your life and how it does, because this is something that people challenge. And I know for myself personally, um, I've actually been part of a spiritual worship uh, center where I'm in the audience and I have personally witnessed recovered addicts going up, you know, to tell their testimony. And it's astounding to me, this experience, because there's never a dry eye in the house, because there's always, always this presence of a higher power that shows up when someone's in their rock bottom place that starts them on the trajectory of climbing the mountain to victory, right? So I wonder, do you do you have a story like that, or how does how does this higher power show up for you? It's funny that you say that. I do have a very, very, very specific story. When I had my second surgery, they uh, had to do an approach for had to go through my nose, and so they put me under, and I woke up in this dreamscape. And everything was working. My balloons were working. I feel everything. And I was, you know, I, I used to box. So I was throwing punches. And I was like, wow, everything's working. I can't believe it. And then um, I was wearing a hoodie and a jean jacket. And I'm just walking around in this white void. And then it starts to rain. But the rain is like as black as my keyboard. And I stick my hand out. And the rain's not touching me. And then I start to float up. And as I'm floating... I'm losing my human visage, my human form. And I'm watching this happen, but I'm also seeing it happen from point of view. And as I get to, I'm looking at it like a painter's canvas. And as I get to that canvas, as I get to the top, there's like a hand waiting right here. And it just pushes everything back down in reverse. And right before I woke up, you're not done yet. And that for me was, at the time, I didn't understand it because I was still going through recovery, but I... I've told that story so many times and it's never changed. The order hasn't changed. The details haven't changed. Actually, they've become more clear. I can still see that image. And I, I, I believe that is evidence enough for me to let you know that there's a, there's a higher power. Um, and I think that opened my eyes. And I think about, you know, even I titled my book, 
favor. Like, that's not a word you can really put into words. You, you can't describe its meaning or words. It just shows up. And my grandma said that favor ain't fair. It's just favor. And sometimes you're giving gifts that you didn't necessarily work for or earn. But that's when my God-given gift to give back to the world, my favor, my story, has allowed me to have this incredible story. And it often feels weird me saying that, like, when you're reading my bio, I'm just like, that guy's pretty cool, but then I'm like, oh, it's still on me, it's, it's weird again, but I, I think um, God has had an opportunity to show up in my life, and, you know, if I wrote a chapter on coincidences, it would have three, three words, they don't exist, and Dr. Ruben West said that, uh, Coincidence is just God's way of remaining anonymous. And I think that that's the divine order of the world. Uh, also, believing in the high power, the world's issues, anxiety, stresses, they can be crushing for an individual to handle. So having belief in, in a person upstairs, if you will, or higher power, allows you to alleviate and focus on issues that you can handle and let the creator control uncontrollable absolutely absolutely and it's it's interesting to me how many people are literally trying to wrap their arms around controlling and not releasing and surrendering to what they can't control and they think that's really part of this process is just recognizing what it is that you have control of and letting go of what you don't. Yeah, I think when people have anxiety, they, they often wish, like, say stuff like, I wish to control everything about my day or my environment. I'm like, I mean, you can go outside and trip and break your knee. That, that's something that you didn't plan for. You can't control. That's just something that happened. But then again, back to the thoughts, like, there's often a lot of stories when people do things like that. I forgot something at home and going back. Like, I know you probably heard about the guy that forgot something at work. And he worked at the Twin Towers. And he went back to get it. And he wasn't there when the builders went down. And that saved his life. You know, those are things you cannot plan or control. That's just the way. Like, we can't control the weather. We can't control how many hours in a day. We can control what we do within those hours, what we wear <laughs> in spite of that weather. But I think there's a proximal distance of things you can control. And beyond that, it, it you understand you prepare for it, but it's, it's not your concern. And when you try to grab hold of everything, you're going to explode because trying to control everything is try, like trying to drink the ocean every day. And it's just not possible. Yeah, and that's a great analogy, and that's so on point that you, you, you just can't do that. I want to I talk a little bit, too, about your ability to take all of what you've had on your plate and turn it into, you know, something that is as beautiful as helping other people. And how do you, how do you find that within yourself to do that? Like, where does that come from? And why do you do that instead of just living with it? Uh, you know, for a while, after everything was over, you know, I just 
didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to relive it. I didn't think it was important, you know, because I always said, well, there are people that are going through worse things than me, constantly belittling myself and taking the, the, the validity out of it and taking the power from the story. But, you know, again, it was about the community of people that around me and my family and friends and like, hey, you have a story, you should tell it. And then it was something I heard Les Brown say one time, the most wealthy place in the world is the graveyard. And that's because people take their talents, ideas, thoughts, and with them when they die. And I just, I believe in building a legacy. And when you start doing that, you share the gifts. I want to live full and die empty. So I want to give everything I get to everyone I meet. And I think that gives me a sense of fulfillment that is my purpose and when i understand when i start to understand that this happened to me to share with other people when i start to understand this is my purpose and when i really started accepting who i had become and letting vulnerability be my superpower empathy my resource and my story is my fuel source and gratitude is my foundation those four things combined allowed me to be like you know what this is what i'm supposed to do this is why i'm here and I'm going to do something with it. And I'm going to change the world some kind of way, one person at a time. So it was a long process of things that had to connect at the right time and start to make sense. And then I just ran after it. It's astounding that you have this ability to recognize that and then take it and turn it into something. And it's it's really intriguing to me because I, I know for a lot of people I have conversation with, when they ask me, how can you be who you are and how can you do what you're doing? I have a very similar mindset that you do, that my experience was something that was given to me and I need to use that to help the world, right? And I see you doing the same thing. But there's a lot of people that think, well, I'm angry. I'm angry that I have to go through and fill in the blank, whether it's, you know, chronic illness, depression, whatever it may be, like fill in that blank and people, people are angry and, and can't see that this is something that is part of their life for a reason. What would you say to those people? You know, you can feel anger but you don't have to be anger. You know what I'm saying? You absorb, people get too absorbed and locked onto that feeling because they feel it gives them some type of control or some type of power, but it does not change the situation. Feelings are there, you can't control them, they just pop up. They're like thoughts, they just are, but you do not have to become them. They are extensions of your thoughts and feelings and ideas. But when you become anger, when you become sadness, when you become jealousy, when you become rage, when you become mi miserable, you know what I'm saying? That's when you be it becomes who you are. It represents who you become. It, it permeates your, your being, your thoughts, your beliefs. You believe in anger is all you know. And that's when you have to start to separate yourself because being anger and being, you know, experience anger, anger is a feeling and those don't last that long. But becoming anger, you can be anger for the rest of your life. If, that choose, if that's how you choose to identify, a lot of people don't even realize they're doing it. 
and it shows in the way they interact with people, it shows in the way they handle, and then you're not doing the deep work because anger is an external thing. When you blame anger, when you become angry, you're, you're often stepping outside of yourself to live somewhere where your true self doesn't even exist, doesn't even acknowledge. I think you have to go deep. You have to look within. And a lot of people are, like you said before you started taping, are struggling with looking inside and seeing who they really are because they've been living this life where they present an image that's suitable for the environment they're living in, is suitable for their peers, that's suitable for their family and other people's expressions. You know, they say there's a face you show the world, there's a face that show you, you show your close friends, and there's a face you show nobody. My One of my goals in life is to show the face that I show nobody to as many people as possible to, to get to be my most authentic self. And again, it's, it's hard to see the picture when you're living in the frame. And a lot of people choose to frame themselves in pictures that are filled with anger, resentment, sadness, and misery. When I have to step outside the frame, and there's so many other pictures for you to choose, why choose that one? And something you said before that really jumped out at me is that, you know, when people ask, why me? What, well, people like us, it's now like, how could it not be me? to do this? How could it not be me to share this story? How could it not be me for this to happen to? How could I not have this power? And that's the way I view it now. It could only be me, so I'm going to use it and do it. Yeah, and I I wonder too, as far as you know, with the way of the world and people, you know, being in lockdown and the, as you were saying, this lack of control and just kind of turning it into a different mindset, you know, controlling the things that you can within your space that you have, but keeping mindful of where your direction is and where your thoughts are going and those kinds of things. There's a lot of people in the audience right now that may be dealing with some really, really heavy, heavy things. Um, I know right now suicide rates around the world are around 30% and there's you know, a, a population of people that are really affected by this. And I just wonder if you, if you had any kind of words or insight as far as um, something that you could offer to help people that may be in this, in this place, what would it be? You know, I have a sister, she's 13. And what I would say to her it, it, you just have that, you know, first of all, you want to ask them, hey, how's things going? So one of the things the world likes today, and with the advent of social media, it's been turned up a notch. It's between empathy and sympathy. If you're walking in the woods and your friend falls down the hole, I'm like, ah, oh, I feel bad that you fell down that hole. That's sympathy. But if you're empathetic, you're like, wow, I can really feel the pain you're feeling. I'm really sorry. What can I do to help? Feeling for someone is empathy. Feeling, no, it's sympathy. Feeling with someone is uh, empathy. So I, I would say practice your empathy. Try to imagine what you felt like at that age or what you would feel like if you were dealing with those thoughts. What would you be doing? What would you want to happen to you? Who would you want to talk to and think about? Your community, building a community around that person of support, a safe space, 
a, a place where they can express how they really feel without judgment or a prejudice. A lot of people don't express or don't share or keep everything they're feeling bottled in because I don't trust the people around me. I don't feel safe. Well, people like Catherine and myself are resources. People like, you know, their therapeutic resources out there. There's people around you that are, your thoughts are not original. These are recycled things that many people have thought. And oftentimes you feel alone. So you choose to self-isolate even further. And I want to tell you, you are not an accident. You are not alone. And you are meant, you are worth more to me than you will ever know. There are people that see this darkness that's never ending. And something I always say is the darkest night comes before the brightest morning. And your morning is coming. You just have to choose, make a decision to understand that this too shall pass. Just have to keep pushing, keep pushing and understand that you are a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. You're more than enough. You're more than adequate. You were built for the fight you're facing and no one else was. And whatever issues you feel are permanent your being, step back and have a little bit of perspective. Look at the things you do have and are able to control and are able to celebrate and are able to do. You know, people often think, uh, well, I don't have a TV. Well, somebody I know doesn't have a house. Or I don't have shoes. Well, somebody I know doesn't have feet. Or if people, you know, on the opposite spectrum that work really hard and, you know, killing themselves to make a difference or killing themselves to make, you know, ends meet and they don't give themselves enough time for rest or relaxation or they don't give themselves enough time to really step away from it and take a breather. I think that breath is very important. I think believing in higher power and prayer is very important. I think reading and injecting positive material into your your everyday. You know, a lot of people watch the news and the media presents the image that keep you watching because your brain is set up to be attracted to the negative. You got to see the negative. But there are YouTube channels, some good news. Look up email listservs that report good news stories. Don't always turn the TV off. Go step outside. Get some sunshine, some vitamin D that can really help with your mood. And understand that you are put on this earth for something greater than you even realize. And the things that you are going to do and decide will dictate how long it takes you to get there. So choose yourself and understand that your purpose is greater than you understand. And then lean into that. And it'll find its way to you. I love what you just said, how it will lean, you know, if you lean into it, it will find its way to you because I think that's one of the overarching struggles that human beings have. They're just not really sure what they're designed to do and how to navigate it. And that's something that I personally work with people with as well is just tapping into that, that inner strength that you have and, you know, leaning into it to help you move forward through it. But I, I love how power packed it is that you, that you share with your thoughts and your answers, because, you know, the analogies you use, I mean, there's so many like great tools and nuggets that people can take away and really, really use them in a sense that, you know, 
we're in a place and time because we're supposed to be here and it is okay. Like, as you said, this too shall pass. And I know as a little girl, you know, just some of the adversity that I had gone through, I know it was always abundantly clear to me that even though my, my life was in this uncontrolled state because I was a child and I didn't feel like I had control, I think I really needed to recognize as well over the things that I could control, right? So one of the things that um, I know a, lo a lot of kids like to do is just be creative. And a lot of time just being in that creative state, you know, whether it's um, doing artwork or drawing or journaling or any of those things, it's a, it's a really good way to get your mind out of that place that you're in and kind of detox the body as well. So I think that's important for people to remember, like, that is kind of a form of meditation and just going into a Zen state. And you can find your higher power in that Zen state, like you can get connected in into these places where you can ask these questions that you struggle with and turn it into something else. But I mean, besides the kids, is uh, you know, I don't know, is there any other tools or anything else that you'd like to offer up to our audience, um, our adults? Yeah, I think for an adult, it, it feels like you hardly had a firm grasp of the way the world is supposed to work. And then it doesn't work like that anymore. So it's like, how, how is this possible? Like your reality is not what, it does not meet your expectations. The quickest way to disappointment, again, another, I don't know why we're hitting all the chapters. Expectations. When you go into a relationship, when you go into a conversation, when you go into a connection with another human being and you have those expectations, that can really throw you for a loop. And I think a lot of adults just keep expecting for this to be over or keep expecting for things to change overnight and keep expecting for the results to change. And I think those expectations are deepening the despair you've fallen into. When you see the world and accept it for what it is, you can start to regain some strength, some powers to control over things that you can control. You are not built or meant to control everything about everything in your life. Some things are out of your, your range of control. And again, this is leading more to the anxiety when you're, you're adult, you have children, you're like, oh, I don't want them to go over in a world like this. Every generation has their, their experience growing up. Every generation has their struggle, but that's theirs. Yours is living your life right now. And I think it remains the same. You know, those grounding exercises, those, what you desire, what you need is right in front of you at that moment. It doesn't have to be thinking too far ahead or thinking too far in the past. Just understand what's going on and accept it and act on what's happening right now in your best interest. And my, like I said, my foundation is gratitude. Understanding the little thing. I'm grateful to be a human. I'm grateful to have breath. I'm grateful to be able to live. Just jotting three things down at the end of the day. Or waking up to those three things. I do like a journal almost every day. You know, I want to have like a stack of journals, like this tall when I'm like 50. 
understanding that gratitude not only boosts dopamine, which is a pleasure sensor in the brain, but it also boosts serotonin, which is like the happy, happy hormone or whatever. Um, and most of it, you know, even going to a more scientific level, I think 90% of serotonin is created in the stomach. So might be mindful of what you're putting into your body, um, what you're eating, how you're eating it, how much of it, and when you're eating. I think that'll help you be a little more happy each day. And as an adult, you have to understand that just like children, you know, at some point, this one will be a thing for my sister. This will have passed, and she's in the next phase of her life. The same advice can be said to you. Like, it seems like your time clock is not as long as theirs, but this too shall pass. As long as you're keeping yourself happy, you, you're practicing, practicing mindfulness, prayer, gratitude. Those things can really do a lot more for you than you think. You know, happiness it, it, it is fleeting. But in those moments, grab hold of it. Learn from it. And then use it in each and every moment going forward. Yeah, so the re so this routine, it sounds like you have this daily routine to really keep yourself grounded, keep yourself centered. And I think that's so key as far as when we're going through difficult times is just getting yourself on a routine. And like you said, make sure that you're detoxing the body and having feeding the body what it really needs, like drinking a lot of water, eating the good foods. It's really important to rest. Make sure you're letting your body rest, like you had mentioned earlier. Um, and, you know, the spirituality piece is really important. I love I love all of it because it's something that is so necessary. And I know other speakers have, have talked to those points as well. But it is so worth reminding everyone to find ways to do this and including any children or young adults that are listening to this show as well. It's really important to do this and just be mindful of it. So go through a routine every single day. I live in gratitude. I live in a state of gratitude. And one of my little secrets is before I even open my eyes in the morning, I just say, thank you. I just say thank you. It's as simple as that. It just gets my day started on the right foot. And I start my day with gratitude. So everything after that, it's, you know, it's like, I'm just thankful to be alive. I'm thankful to have the breath I take and have everything about me because there's so many people in this world that live in a different state that literally some people can't do the things that I'm able to do. Like right now, somewhere in the world, somebody's having surgery or someone is chronically ill or, you know, living in a, in a space where they can't move their body because they're paralyzed or something. But even then, just being thankful for life because there's something you're meant to do. There's a reason you're meant to be here. Would you agree? Absolutely. After my foot touches the ground in the morning and I say I'm grateful to be alive, everything after that is a gift. Yes. Yes, absolutely a gift. Oh, my goodness. I could just continue to talk to you all day long. I mean, you're just a, a beautiful human and you have such a beautiful way of expressing your message. And 
honestly, I am just so filled with gratitude, you know, to have you on and have you as part of this platform with me. So I do thank you so much, Kawan. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor and a pleasure. So I always ask my guests at the end of the show, if I were to pick up your earth angel feather off of the ground and you had a message to the world, what would your message to the world be? Every morning as part of my routine, you know, I go through some scriptures. Um, and one of the ones I've been going through recently is John 1. And it talks about the light. And then a time now where things seem dark and uncertain and we don't know where things are headed. Uh, we seem shrouded by a cloud that doesn't want to go away. And, you know, when you're in a dark space, Jesus is the light or God is the light or creator is the light but we do have flashlights and we can turn one on and wheresoever there is dark wheresoever there is light darkness cannot have a place so turn on your flashlights bring the light home and shine your path forward that is really a beautiful way to put that message and i i, I just yeah it's amazing Thank you so, so much. So, so appreciative. And that's all we have time for today. This is Catherine Daniels reminding you to live your authentic life in peace. And as always, retreat to peace. We'll see you next time. <music>